This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot go again for what is going to be almost certainly two episodes in two days yeah it's uh not the best of timings but the the window being so long has led to uh a september 2 deadline which is crazy and i think that's that's gonna be a first normally for august 31st or something but yeah it's gonna be a a crazy few days and you've got another episode of a player interview coming as well so a busy week for Swindon Town and a very busy week for the Low Strangers podcast. As it always is at the moment. We were talking off mic. Why don't we do this tomorrow? Well, I've committed to those Monday mornings and damn it, I'll stick to them as long as I can. So the way it will go is we'll talk about Morecambe today. We'll talk about the end of the transfer window in tomorrow's recording. If anything does happen, otherwise it'll be 15 minutes of us wondering what on earth happens, and then you'll get Tommy Mooney at the end of the week. Ooh, it's a good one. Sounds good, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a perfect plan, I think. We'll just wait for the, uh, the no doubt, the chaos that is uh, Monday afternoon, and uh, all, all fun of podcasting will flow then. Absolutely. So, we're here to talk about Morecambe. It was a win. It was a sunny day in Kent, where I was this weekend. What was the vibe going towards the county ground on Saturday? I think it was uh, sort of quiet confidence. I think 
you know, we, we in the football league, anyone can beat anyone. But uh, there are those games in the calendar where you look towards and you think, yeah, we've got to be beating these sort of teams. And you know, as we discussed in the week, we were all sort of quietly confident for Morecambe at home, and and so it proves there was a sort of a minor scare when they when they levelled. But generally, Swindon were uh, quite confident. There was never really any sort of a real drama. It was just a lot of a lot of fun going ahead pretty early, and then the the goals flowed from there. And the second half was. Kind of a write-off, but generally the mood was good and uh, and all things are rosy for, for Sunday for another week. <laughs> we'll get into the game in a bit more detail in just a moment. The Swindon Town Fan Zone was launched for the first time this weekend after the weather put an end to it previously. The five-a-side seemed to go down very well. Yeah, I, I can't say I saw the, the fan zone in detail. I didn't uh, sort of experience it because I had sort of work to do um, in terms of reporting. But, you know, when you, my walk to the county ground includes uh, seeing the back of the Don Rogers and, uh, you know, clearly there was a, a big inflatable pitch there, which uh, the kids seemed to be enjoying. And there was a few food kiosks. I think they were, I thought there was some candy floss and that sort of thing. So the atmosphere seemed generally good. And, you know, as you, sh- as you said, uh, one fan zone event got sort of cancelled due to weather and it's sort of it, it felt like touch and go with this one because as i was walking towards the ground it was sort of cloudy and drizzly so it, it's good that the rain didn't uh, you know sort of bucket down and cancel another one but it was just about fine to go ahead and and by all accounts seemed to go uh, well enough and people seemed to enjoy themselves and damn it there was free booze exactly you can't say uh, can't say no to that and doubtly was getting involved with uh, you know, printing shirts oh. and, and photographs and that sort of thing so uh, it all seemed to go over very swimmingly for a, a first fan zone of the season ah lovely stuff um, attendance wise it was just under 7,000 not helped by that small but dedicated away following from Morecambe but Crucially here, the Northampton damage seems minimal. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a worry because the performance wasn't amazing versus Northampton, but I think uh, hopefully uh, those would have seen enough because Swindon weren't awful, but they weren't they weren't amazing, so there's a bit of a worry there. But I think hopefully people would have seen the the first home game against Carlisle and been satisfied what they saw there. And although, like I said, the, the second half uh, turned off a bit, and I think people will be uh, relatively. Um, sort of entertained by the events that happened at Morecambe as well. You know, a, a win is a win, and hopefully that will uh, that will lead to people coming back again in in, in uh, a few weeks' time for Macclesfield. Let's look at the Swindon starting lineup because we got this completely wrong in our predictions from last week. So started in goal with McCormick, of course, Hunt, Iandolo, Baldry, and Conroy at the back. Rose, Lydon, Isgrove, and Anderson in midfield with Yates and Doyle up front without going too much into depth re what happened during the game your initial thoughts were not positive yeah I think it's fair to say that I wasn't massively um infused with the idea of going with two strikers I think it was mainly I wasn't sort of worried about uh the partnership of, of Doyle and Yates which ended up being mm. very good on Saturday I was more concerned about maybe it led to Isgrove being not not as involved and uh and Anderson not being as involved, both of those were impressive as well. Um, so it was a sacrifice of Woolery. He lost his place due to the formation change and that sort of getting Yates and Doyle together. But generally, I think it worked well. I think um, although my my take hasn't gone well, and I'm, I'm happy to be uh, proven wrong at this early stage, I think it'd be too early to sort of get carried away with the, the Doyle and Yates sort of partnership hype because although it was a brilliant debut for the pair of them together, it was only Morecambe at home and there's a, still a long season to go yet. So it could still end up not going too well, but they couldn't have asked for a better start, to be quite honest. I was going to ask you about the start of the Doyle-Yates partnership and the fact that it started so well. 
Yes, they scored this weekend, which is only a positive. But what do you fear so much about the future of that that strike pairing? I think it's you know as I touched on, I think it's is Grove sort of had a potential to to go deeper from being a, a sort of a a, 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 a sort of forward winger in, in the four two three one to dropping back slightly in the four four two, but generally he's, he was doing the the same role there. And I think anyone who's been following Sundin deeply this season will know that Isgrove has been so key to to Sundin so far. So my my concern there was that you know he, he'd have a more reduced role, and that can also apply to Anderson and Woodery, who, like I said, Woodery lost his place, and Anderson could have could have been uh, going further back, but he ended up uh, contributing just as much as usual. So I think that was all positive, and obviously Anderson and Isgrove got assist too. So that proved me uh, wrong early doors, but um, like I said, it's a long season and we'll see how it goes. But, um, you know, like I said, uh, it's, it's a perfect start for the pairing and, and long may that continue. Did you hear that clip of the uh, of the Morecambe commentators mocking the Swindon uh, radio accents? I did not. Please divulge more. <laughs> well, for those listening, you can hear it now. Yeah, I'm still getting that. Still getting that tripe <laughs> from radio... Radio, uh, radio, well, local. radio local. No, radio local. No, radio local. Oh, blimey. That's not very nice, is it? <laughs> it was a perfect start for Swindon. Was it the... the I ask this question all the time, and this is what happens when we do this weekly, but will we fast off the blocks again? <laughs> Yeah, I think you can have so much, so much more. I think you know when you score a goal in five minutes, that's that's sort of the the perfect start. And Swindon were, they weren't normally. I think there was that game against Stephen Chamberlain where Swindon were ahead after about eighteen seconds. It wasn't quite um, sort of out of the blocks in in that sense. There wasn't uh, many shots before the goal, but generally they, they started well enough. And to, to be in front so early sort of killed any um, worry that Morecambe would sit in and try and protect that draw um, early on. Um, even though they did level not long after, Swindon again sort of responded quickly and I think they were level for about four minutes. So again, there was some few brief worries that the Morecambe could hold on to something, but Swindon pretty much killed that off straight away. So yeah, it was uh, in many ways it was typical well in starting early, but they, they weren't sort of peppering the goal as they were. I think just generally any shot they'd, they, they did sort of have in that opening uh, 10, 15 minutes ended up going in the back of the net. I think Anderson was uh, was bright in that move and the shot's blocked, so we, we can't give uh, Anderson a full assist. He tries to get more direct goal contributions, but I think Doyle can be happy with uh, just like, sort of snifling that up and, and getting a nice early goal and uh, Get tucking through the keeper's leg, which is nice. And Anderson was key to the build-up with some, I think, Yates is involved in it as well. So there's some nice, some nice movement early on, and and something can't really complain with the uh, the sort of lightning fast start. Did you hear the commentators from up north's reaction to that first goal? I don't think they're in the same press box. There was some sort of guy that's done commentary, <laughs> but I don't think uh, we got the one that, uh, you're referring to because I'm not hearing any of this uh, sort of banterous nature to the Morecambe uh, radio that we that we got. <laughs> well, those who haven't heard it can hear it now. Throwing's been taken. Rob Hunt goes square. And uh, there's a man just outside the box. Good turn from him. And uh, there's a, a chance of a left foot. It's out. It's falls nicely. Oh, no. I don't believe it. So unlucky. <laughs> well, the, the NK Don's... Uh stream I quite like, I quite enjoyed that so yeah uh, I'm glad they lost now if they're taking the mick out of our commentators and uh, being so gutted by an early goal that's the spirit I'm at a petting zoo in Kent during the first half and I see straight away that Doyle has scored I think this is it now sit back relax nothing can go wrong now nope 
yeah, it was typical Swindon when people were just starting to relax. Morecambe sort of hit back and uh, he sort of came out of nowhere with Rose losing the ball pretty uh, loosely and, and suddenly Morecambe were level out of nowhere, which was a, a bit of a, a ball from the blue. But I think Swindon maybe needed it because, as you saw in the second half, they got a bit complacent and, and they're walking back into the game. So that could have happened in the first half as well with if, if they uh, if, if, if they didn't fix up quickly. So I think that goal sort of jotted them back into life and, and thankfully they responded quickly. But certainly, yeah. Uh, it was uh, something they would have liked to avoid, and uh, my call of Swindon getting a, a long-lasting clean sheet at last uh, was was blown out in the 13th minute. And they almost made it 2-1 through a error by Lloyd Isgrove, at the, sort of playing it out from the back, and Tanner's effort was well saved by Luke McCormick. <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't looking good for my ideology for a bit. I think you know, you know, I like um, Swindon playing out from the back, but Rose was sort of caught in possession for the first one, and Lloyd Isgrove was. I don't know what he was doing for that run that, that led to that shot. So definitely a few early jitters for Swindon once they conceded and it could have been a lot worse. But thankfully, McCormick does make a good save. Um, he is a good keeper despite my sort of uh, long-lasting sort of takes on this podcast. But he, he is a good save and, and thankfully Swindon recovered just in time. And like I said, if they didn't get that goal quite so soon after the level, it could have been quite ugly. But uh, luckily they responded uh, quickly and were in front so people could uh, start to relax again. So Morecambe equalised about eight minutes after Town took the lead, but only about four minutes after Morecambe level things and they almost take the lead. Hooray for Jerry Yates. A lovely uh, pass from Anderson to set him up. And, you know, I, I've got a... Like, like I said, I was, I was sort of worried about um, Anderson having a more reduced, job, more reduced role. And I wasn't a massive fan of him going from sort of the number 10 to the, to the left-hand side. But I think he sort of... It didn't really matter because he, he was given licence to row and that sort of thing. So a lovely ball into into Jerry Yates. And that partnership of Doyle and Yates was, was working as early as about a quarter of an hour and 17 minutes in. So... Like I said, I looked like a four quite early on, not, not thinking it would work, and, and Swindon were 2-1 up to, to relax people, and, and Morecambe were sort of put away not too long, long after that. It's always a concern when when a player gets suspended for three games and you worry that momentum may may shift and they may go on a sort of dry spell in front of goal. So it was really, really, really good that Yates was able to score so early on into his return. Did he did he look threatening for the rest of the game at all? Uh, I think he linked up well um, generally for for other moves. And, but it's quite strange, even though he was sort of praising the partnership of Doyle and Yates, they didn't actually do too much work together in terms of in terms of creating goals for each other. I think generally they, they created the odd chance, but I think it was mostly it was Grove and... Uh, and Anderson doing the work for them, but I think I think Yates obviously started brilliantly as you said, but he did, he did sort of tire as the game went on. So he's obviously uh, sort of getting ready for being back, back to full match practice again. I think he's replaced after about an hour um, by Woodbury. So um, started well enough and, and did some good things during the rest, during the rest of his sort of time on the pitch. But clearly um, those those three games that have taken their toll a bit, and he needs a bit more of a a bit more of a rest to to get back into the swing of things. And the game was wrapped up in the twenty first minute with a Isgrove to Doyle special. A partnership that's uh, also working well, and I think that's a sort of free assist in two games at Isgrove. I think both goals at Cheltenham came from Isgrove cross to Doyle and, and another one for uh, for Morecambe. So, yeah, uh, a lot of partnerships working well across the pitch and, and two players that have been sort of brought in for just a season, quite worryingly, is, is working well. But, like I said, Isgrove is, is sort of been player of the season so far, and I was worried about him not being quite as involved, but that proved me wrong again. And uh, the four four two works just as well as the four two three one for the Isgrove and Doyle sort of link up. That's oh, great, isn't it? <laughs> it's nice to see uh, Swindon <laughs> sort of having success. For it. it's, it's been 
it's been rare in, in League Two and certainly in the last, last sort of five years or so. So, um, so yeah, strike partnerships are rare and uh, good to see wingers getting assists rather than uh, sort of not being as great, sort of the likes of Donald McDermott and uh, Jermaine McGlash in the recent years. Taking going out to injure someone aside, can that sort of partnership, like is Grove's job to be tricky and to get the ball in the box... Can that be stopped tactically? Can they? Can the opposition teams watch that all through the week and say, "This is how we're going to stop it"? Because ultimately, it's about just getting the ball. And if he if he turns and crosses, how how do they stop that? It's simplistic in, in nature. Of it, stop. I think it just requires a quick fallback to to um, be up to Isgrove's pace and a tall centre back to beat Doyle in the air. But with with Isgrove as lightning as he is, and, and Doyle's sort of um, that much of a physical presence in the air, um, quite literally to stop any sort of threat there. So I think I'm done with with better full-backs and, and more imposing centre-backs but so far Swindon haven't come up against them and Isgrove and Doyle have had sort of a lot of fun this season any time there's Swindon on the counter then uh, Isgrove is going to leave people for the best and uh, hopefully Doyle will be there or Yates will be in the sort of six-yard box to put away any chances Now Richie he finds Ferry beaten away by Colgan oh it's loose it's Ferry again and that has surely sealed Swindon's place in round two. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. As far as goal scoring was concerned, that's it done. Was was it a case of the first half just being chaotic, Swindon being clinical? And what happened in the second half? Did, did Jim Bentley just get Morecambe to shut up shop, or was Swindon less clinical? Happy with the happy with the three? I know Keshi Anderson came out and said they wanted more goals. What happened there? We talk about the first half um, first. I, th- I don't think Swindon were sort of electric. As I, I can't remember sort of Barry Roach making any any real saves. I think just every sort of Swindon, every sort of shot that Swindon had went in. So I think I remember saying during the week that I wasn't that impressed with the. Fauna went over Morecambe last season, where again, I don't think Swindon were quite up to the level of Wellens, but every shot seemed to go in in that time. And and definitely it's sort of like the same again this time. I think the only difference was that Swindon got one less goal and they and they ended up conceding. It's pretty much the same game as sort of Morecambe at home under Wellens uh, last season, where every shot Swindon did have one in. And the second half, I don't think they were really any worse, but I think there was maybe a bit of complacency there, being two goals up against a, a lowly ish team. and I think they've been quite leggy after having so many games in in recent weeks. So I don't think Swindon were any worse in the second half in terms of creating chances because they don't, aside from the goals they weren't, didn't really create chances in the first half and and certainly Morecambe were no better in the second. I think Jim Bentley did anything different to to keep Swindon out and I think Morecambe only got only really got chances because Swindon had sort of shut off and and sort of taken off off the gas a bit. I like to play devil's advocate in these conversations. How Good were town really in this? Was this more of a case of a routine win against a not so good side in Morecambe, or am I not giving town enough credit here? I think the question could be more how bad was Swindon really. I think what I mean by that is that Wellens was very quite annoyed at, um, at full time, and he was saying that he didn't really feel like a win. I think Swindon he felt that Swindon were were that's the worst they've played all season, which uh, I don't think I think that was a bit more, bit harsh on Wellens. Swindon weren't amazing, but they were more than comfortable enough and Morecambe didn't really threaten too much and Swindon were always sort of in control and it's quite a relaxing game so I think it's, like I said it's more of a question that I don't think Swindon were as bad as Wellens got sort of thought they were but I can totally understand why he would uh, be annoyed so much of that game because managers sort of always like to have their um, sort of players going 100% um, sort of all the time whereas 
I think fans can be slightly more relaxed that um, after such a, a sort of a hectic week, the Sydney could sort of take their foot off the gas a bit and relax and, and rest some legs while uh, um, they didn't have to go sort of full steam ahead to, to get all three points. So I kind of get where Wellens was coming from, where he wasn't happy with the performance, but I don't think Swindon were, were that bad, really. There was certainly um, the level dropped in the second half, but it, they weren't awful, and, uh, but they weren't brilliant either, which I think annoyed Wellens, but I can understand that. But I don't think it's that bad as, as he made out. There were a couple of comments from fans on social media during halftime saying that the shape was a little bit skew-if in that game. Goals aside, it, it wasn't as slick as a Wellens side has been. So I guess that backs up the concerns that Richie Wellens had himself. Yeah, it, it definitely wasn't sort of like a, the well-oiled machine that we come to expect from Wellens. And the shape did go slightly, but I don't think it was sort of horribly disorganised. There was just a, a few sloppy passes from what I think are tired legs and and maybe like I said, complacent legs, but I don't think they were they were that bad. And I, I wouldn't say it's anything to worry about going forward. It's just one of those one of those games where Swindon can't be sort of at it 100 for you know a 46, um, 50 odd game season. There are going to be some games where they just sort of get through it in the end. And and that was that. The job was done at half time. I think people could have left at half time. They would have missed anything. So maybe people should sort of clamour for half their sort of ticket price back. But Generally, it was a good afternoon and Swindon could uh, could sort of relax a bit and not worry too much about Morgan punishing them. A better team might have done because there were a few chances that uh, I think there was a sort of an open goal missed at the far post and McCormick had to make a save or two at the end and maybe a better team would have ended up snatching a point from Swindon sort of being a bit lapsed and a bit complacent. But generally, I think they were, they were quite comfortable. Let's hear what some of the listeners thought of the game Kirk Simons his mini review was if the first 20 minutes had been the last 20 minutes it would have been a fantastic game I don't know if you heard it yourself but there was some faint booing in the Don Rogers during the second half and I'm sure we're all in agreement that that is crazy it was dull but I don't remember Morecambe having a sniff booing well the press box in the archives I'll have to take his word for it I didn't hear any booing it's just sort of your general sort of groaning and and watch your accents and getting forward during the second half but generally it's fine I, I can understand frustration but I think booing would have been over the top and and like I said it was just one of those sort of routine games that's been to get through and uh, weren't 100% but yeah I don't think there's anything to be too annoyed about and I think clearly if if the game ended with the, those three goals it might have been a sort of a better atmosphere around the place rather than the second half being sort of a write-off but generally I think it can be a weekend that we look back on with uh, with happiness and you know, a win's a win, as they say. Code name Hard Hat asks whether we have any ideas whether Yates and Doyle can be recalled. Let's hope not. Would be good if we can get both signed up permanently. It's always a concern, and I imagine there are clauses and so forth. But especially Doyle, he doesn't seem wanted by Bradford. Yeah, I think um, there's no there's no official um, sort of word in either club statements uh, from Swindon, Rotherham, or Bradford saying they've got a recall clause. But I generally think. Um, loans these days tend to work out that they, they can all be recalled in January but there's there's nothing sort of official in writing available to the public that suggests that but I think the main worry regarding both of them is that Rotherham did it last season with uh, recalling Jason, recalling Yates from Carlisle um, in January last season and if I was Bradford to be honest I, I one wouldn't have let Doyle go because he's, he's going to really grow and two if he's doing as well as he is I'd definitely be uh, cancelling that loan in January so um, I am slightly worried there, but hopefully, sort of Bradford and uh, 
and rather than nice about it and, and let us keep our players but certainly I'm more worried about Doyle because Bradford I don't think are going to be liking a different League 2 club having a at the moment the leading goal scorer when they, when they employ him as well so I am I am worried we're going to lose him in January but fingers crossed there's no sort of official clause in there to, to let that happen. You wrote a very good long form article on Keshi Anderson this weekend and how did you think he did in in that in that new role? <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> I'm not sure it was good but uh, I've enjoyed uh, enough praise uh, during this during this day to to, to claim that so thanks hey, for that it's but good, um man. it's good don't don't put yourself <laughs> down ben it's very very good i urge anyone to uh have a read thanks very much um yeah i was basically saying that you know we all know that kashi anderson has had sort of an eventful summer with uh sort of wellens i think picking him up sort of at the beginning of the summer certainly could be the best but i think top five players in the league too i think he said and and then sort of you know he's, he's also been transfer listed and obviously you know high publicly sort of left dylan's while the squad went to spain so I sort of spoke to him briefly at the end of the end of yesterday regarding that, and you know he's he's had sort of a difficult swimming career generally with being moved all, all about um, the place, which is sort of maybe sort of disrupted him, which he he claims he hasn't, but you can see the quotes in that piece from there. But yeah, basically yesterday I was sort of worried that him going from ten where he's been flourishing to left wing would uh, would affect him badly, but he didn't really. He was still sort of cutting into cutting into the middle and providing good opportunities for other players. So generally a really impressive performance from, from Keshi Anderson and anyone who wants to read quotes about that and uh, other things this summer can, can find it on my Twitter. Ellis Iandolo came in through, I guess it wasn't stick, but I certainly wasn't convinced that he should start against Morecambe and he did. How did he do? I think um, I, I only want, didn't want Ellis sort of Iandolo during the week because, you know, he's, he's not, although he's played left back quite a lot, he's not sort of orthodox and, and Tyler Reed is sort of contracted for longer, and I think we'd like to see him more. But I think generally, a lot of people would have wanted Iandolo because they weren't very impressed with with Reed during the Cheltenham game, and Iandolo sort of impressed in his 20-minute cameo there. So I think it wasn't a massive surprise that he got the start. I just wouldn't have gone for it personally. But generally, I think he did well. He wasn't troubled much from sort of the Morecambe right winger and, and other players, but he contributed to attacking play enough, and Anderson sort of gave him credit for. Uh, making those overlapping runs to to allow him to cut inside and prevent opportunities and, and provide opportunities. So, I think generally he did what he needed to do, and I don't think he'll be sort of shifting fries anytime soon. But it was a solid, your your traditional sort of seven out of ten performance from Myandolo. I asked for many reviews or any sort of feedback. Thank you to everybody who has sent stuff my way. Batch, his mini review was optimistic, but we have to avoid injuries to key players. Tom Coward says that it was his dad's first game of the season yesterday and he said it's the best he's seen us in a couple of years. Good football with a whole team constantly moving the ball. Love two strikers working off each other. Second half we weren't bad, just professional as we were two up. He also goes on to say that hopefully a busy deadline day for his birthday tomorrow with a goalkeeper and a winger slash number 10 priorities for him. Ideal world, another winger, striker, centre-back who can also play left-back and a ball-winning midfielder as we seem a bit thin in that option. Happy birthday for Monday, Tom. He doesn't ask for much. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be busy on Monday. I don't think they'll get quite as much as, as Tom requires there, but I, I certainly think they'll get um, at least two or three in to cover the positions that the Wellington needed. So hopefully, happy birthday and uh, there should be enough signings to get excited about, I think. Lee Powell was on the radio and seemed to say that centre back was the key with a goalkeeper 
if we're lucky. Would that be fair? I wouldn't. I wouldn't call them the priority. I think. I think winger ten probably the the priority given the sort of lack of depth there with any sort of Willery, Anderson, and uh, Isgrove being the the players that can play there. But certainly they will be after a centre back and a keeper as well. And I think um, Wellens is key on the centre mid. He sort of bat off, he battled off a rumour um, sort of in the pressure as well. So. I certainly think we'll see at least three, maybe four, but um, centre-back will be needed to replace Ballard and they've been in the market for a, for a keeper for quite a while and sort of Wellens admitted yesterday that he really wants one to challenge McCormick. So, so yeah, I do think we'll see a lot on Monday and hopefully the all positions needed are, are covered uh, sufficiently going into next week. Who was the rumour batted away? Uh, reporting from the Shrewsbury newspaper, which I don't know the name of, I'm, I'm assuming it's the Shropshire style or something, uh, Anthony Grant is, is linked, who's a sort of a ball-wing midfielder, which uh, the advert asked about and Wellen said you'll see. So um, <laughs> he, he, tried, he tried his best to bat off that, but I don't think he succeeded very well. So um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But there's at least we have got sort of one solid rumour going into the final day. Anthony Grant has loads of experience at League 1 and League 2 level, and he also played for Chelsea, so that caters all your needs. I don't think it's a player that's been in desperate need. I think if you evaluated all the positions, what say sort of a ball-winning centre midfield is, is the one they need most. I think you, you've got sort of Leiden and, and, uh, and players like that, they can can do that sort of job. But clearly, I think they might they must have given up on City Sunoga by now and, and see Grant as that sort of, a sort of backup option. So um, I think I think he can be useful. But I think he, what I do know about me is that ball-winning centre midfielder that will pick up yellow cards. So we spoke about dis- ill-discipline, lack thereof in the squad, and Anthony will certainly contribute to that. So Goalkeeper-wise, Trevor Carson was the last person linked, and they've taken that all the way to the wire with the goalkeeper. Do we think it may be him or somebody else? Uh, there's no name on, on the goalkeeper, as far as I'm aware. When, it, when it just said he wants someone to, to challenge, and he sort of emphasised he rewound it now, whereas I think if he, a few weeks ago he wasn't um, sort of that bothered, but he's, he's desperate for it now, which... Maybe suggested someone else, but there's no official name, so it could be Carson or there could be sort of a late surprise going into that final day. We shall find out tomorrow. In other news, a little bit worrying moment um, in the press today. Kieran Maguire of Price of Football fame did a piece in the Mail on Sunday which suggested that Swindon had failed to pay wages on time last season. This has since been retracted by Maguire. In his own words... My bad in relation to Swindon should have said Reddin failed to pay wages last season instead. Swindon are not immune to these sort of reports and these are nervous times given what's happened to Berry and Bolton. But this sort of stuff, these sort of errors stick, right? Yeah, it's not ideal to have these sort of things knocking about and certainly it's um, it's good ammo for people who don't, don't like power and I'm sure that this will get taken out of context in a few months' time where people bring it up again and they forget there isn't a retraction and that sort of thing, but... I, th- I think Maguire did sort of um, deny it quite quickly after it was brought up to him properly and, and apologised quite swiftly. But I think there's, I think he got kind of muddled with uh, all the three companies involved with Swindon and the, the sort of the Swindon Reds and mm, not cool. Anyway, let's end the episode with our next game, which is away at Leighton Orient, a tricky one. I think we can both agree. Swindon sold their initial allocation. I think it was six hundred out nice one another 500 have been made available i think it's 500 do not quote me on that but they are going thick and fast adult tickets are 20 pounds over 65s are 18 pounds under 18s one pound and the 18 to 24s are 12 pounds we have not played them for about five years when 
one Anton Rogers scored a cheeky free kick that eventually resulted in the relegation of Leighton Orient. Do you remember it? I wasn't there, but you can't um, forget Anton Rogers doing a free kick like that. So, um, so yeah, that definitely sticks in the mind. And sadly, it was just uh, the first of many sort of sad days for Leighton Orient over that sort of three, four year period. Yeah, it was also the day the Belford boys both played because Ty Belford got sent off early on and his uh, brother Cameron came on for the for the rest of the game and I always remember how happy he looked and that's not even sarcasm he looked over the moon to be getting a game they're back and they are managed by former Swindon assistant Ross Embleton they have James Brophy plenty of reasons <laughs> to to fear the law of sod but it's been a good month to start with for town not perfect but solid yeah, yeah it's been a, um, a pretty decent start so far i think there's obviously been a few bad results in there northampton being the sort of worst one and the worst performance but generally i think people have been sort of happy and swindon sort of sit pretty um decently in fifth and they're only a few points off sort of the automatics and and, and first place so it's got it's going okay and annoying have been all right themselves so it should be a pretty close encounter against some some old boys in the in the late night squad as you mentioned i'm gonna say two two draw I have supported Swindon long enough to expect a Ross Embleton masterclass and he's not liked by many Swindon fans. So although I've, I've spent a lot of time on this podcast sort of praising the ability Swindon will have away from home and um, potential on the counter-attack, I think this is going to be one that, as you said, will be purely down to Sol's lull and not sort of, you know, anticipating much from Ross Embleton in terms of sort of managerial guys. But clearly, I think uh, just, you know, typical Swindon luck, someone who hates us on and sort of a lot of people hate him will end up laugh and, and, the, and the three points so uh, Ross Embleton masterclass in tier one lane orient Ugh. hey though I got this score right for the Morecambe game I said 3-1 <laughs> yeah I, I, I think we should keep a sort of a, a tally of, of who gets uh, the most right I'm sure you'll win that but um, I was I was quite miffed uh, when that clean sheet was wiped out quite early on just because I couldn't uh, get an early prediction right but uh, not a good week for me in terms of uh, sort of takes but at least I did say we w- would win so that's the, that's the main important thing. We always appreciate your takes. They're the, they're the perfect solution to the stress and the strain. We're going to talk tomorrow, Ben. Is there anything you'd like to say? No, let's just get ready for the chaos that will be tomorrow and we can announce sort of three, four, ten players that, that, that Wellens has been wanting all summer and, and hopefully Swindon will get some over the line. And the sale of Leiden and his grove. Yeah, exactly. They'll, uh, and, and Doyle will be recorded and all the rest of it. So, yeah, a, a nice uh, a nice eventful <laughs> podcast that uh, should uh, divulge all the all the details of the the mad last day. Ah, how to end on a bad note. Hey, Ben, thank you very much. Always do my best. Thanks very much, Rich. (laughs) The Lowe Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon.
Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 